Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Well, I'm just, uh, I'm so excited. I want to um, preach a message called The Battle for Belief. The Battle for Belief. I want you to come with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. And I'm uh, going to read something, uh, and I, you know, this is not original thought, by the way. This is completely stolen from Pastor Jurgen on this, this trip. So um, if there's anything good in it, it's because we have the most amazing leader, a man filled with faith that inspires me every single time I'm around him. So Mark chapter 11, verses, uh, starting verse 22, should be on the screen behind me. So this is Jesus, and just to give you a little context, this is um, right after Jesus has cursed this fig tree, and then the fig tree just withered and died, and the disciples see it, and they're like, okay, whoa, what just happened? And so Jesus answers them and says this. So Jesus answered them, verse 22, uh, and said to them, have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, there is so much in there. First thing, take note, Jesus says, verse 24, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, not if you pray. When you pray. Jesus presupposes that his disciples have a life marked by prayer. When you pray, not if you pray. When you pray. Do you have a prayer life? Not just a prayer time, not just a prayer session. Do you just come to God on your knees in desperation when your life has fallen in the crapper because of decisions you've made? Or do you have a prayer life where you realize that everything about who you are, what you do, what you have is because you pray and because you have a God that listens to prayer. John Wesley said, God does nothing except in response to prayer. I remember a couple years ago, I was in Salt Lake City with Pastor Jurgen, and we were, it was actually just him and I in the car. I don't remember where we were going. We were, we were driving somewhere and, you know, just talking, having conversation. And then it was like, you know how it goes, like one track to the conversation just kind of died, and there was a little lull in the conversation. And then just out of nowhere, he just goes, in Jesus' name, I just pray for my boy, Ash. I thank you for him. I, I just thank you, God, for the gift of my son, Ash. I pray right now for his ministry. I pray for his beautiful wife, Aubrey. I pray that you would bless their ministry, their future children. In Jesus' name, I thank you for him, da-da-da, in Jesus' amen. Anyway, Mike, so, um, yeah, what about the da-da-da? And I just, it, you know, I was like, uh, amen, you know. I, and it just, I was so moved that he just is such a man of prayer he had it in his brain right then for whatever reason to pray for his son, Ash, and just did it. Didn't care what I thought about it. Didn't care if it was weird for me. Just prayed because he is such a man of prayer. And it just has inspired me so much. I want to live a life like that. I have made, I'm, not, I'm not there yet, but I've made a decision that as often as I can remember, I try to remind myself. I pray. It's weird. I pray over emails. I do. Not the, not the short emails, you know, like, yep, send. I don't pray over that one. But you know, the big emails, for a new client, for a new deal, for whatever, I actually take a second and I say, in Jesus' name, I declare that this email is gonna be received exactly as I intended it. I come against any spirit of, of confusion or, or disorder, whatever. And I just say, in Jesus' name, amen, click. 
I wanna be a man of prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. And actually, right before this uh, passage in Mark chapter 11, Jesus got, just got done flipping tables over in the church, literally. You think Jesus like just walked around and gave sandwiches to the homeless and, you know, played with children, that, that's not it. That's not the Jesus that you read about in the Bible. Jesus was savage. Literally went into the temple and saw something he didn't like and just started flipping tables. Like people's, you know, like there were merchants in there that had jewelry that they'd worked on, you know, for months and months getting ready to sell it, like people's livelihood. And Jesus shows up and just, wow, and says, you are a den of thieves. My house will be called a house of prayer. Jesus said that the church should be marked and known as a place where people pray. My house will be a house of prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. We good so far? Cool. And if you guys could throw verse 24 back up there. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them. You can ask for anything you want. It doesn't say when you pray, or it doesn't say whatever things you ask for when you pray, you will have them. It doesn't say that. It says when you ask for things, you have to believe. You can ask for anything you want. I'll do it right now. Jesus, right now, I pray for a 41-foot Beneteau Oceanus 41 with Kevlar sails, brand new teak wood, white leather, in Jesus' name, amen. You can ask for whatever you want, but do you actually have the faith to believe for it? And I want you to hear me. This is everything tonight. It's not about asking. It's, it is about the power and the battle to believe. You will find that the battle for everything in your life is the battle to believe. You can ask God to make, you know, God... My marriage is in the, the dumps. I just, Lord, will you bless my marriage? Will you bless my marriage? But then the minute you say amen, you're like, man, my wife is a blah, 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 blah. Then you don't believe it. You don't believe the prayer that you're praying. You're just asking and not believing. The battle is always gonna be for belief. Can you believe the things you're praying for? Can you believe, believe there's, I just want to give you, I want to spend just like very, I want to spend maybe 10 more minutes um, just, just teaching a little bit. And then I just want to pray for people. I want to um, invite us to, to spend some time kindling belief in our hearts. I want to be a church of people that believe God for crazy things, big things, his promises. I wanna give you just three quick things. Fuel are really more like weapons for the battlefield of belief. If, if belief is a battlefield, here's three things that you're gonna need. First one is a weapon. You're gonna be in a lot of trouble if you're out on the battlefield. I got nothing to fight with. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says that, um, there, he talks about the armor of God and he lifts off all these different um, you know, pieces of armor. There's the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, all these things. Every single one of those pieces, they're all defensive pieces. They're all meant to protect, protect you. But there's only one thing that the Apostle Paul mentions that is, that is an offensive weapon and it's the sword. And he says, and then take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
The only offensive weapon you have, and make sure you understand, we got the Super Bowl coming up. Kansas City Chiefs gonna take it down, right, Sean Bennett? Let's go, I'm prophesying right now. I got one clap from his wife, Grace. Come on, our brother's believing for something. We're gonna rally around you, bro. In football, there's offense and there's defense. The entire point of the offense is to gain ground. The entire point and objective of the defense is to not let them gain ground. So your, your helmet of salvation, your breastplate of righteousness, your shield of faith, all of those other weapons that the Apostle Paul talks about, all they do is keep you from losing territory. They're defensive. The only way that you take territory is with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, in the Bible, anytime you see the word, word, W-O-R-D, it's always translated, as two Greek words are always translated to the word, word. So when you see the word, word, I know, I don't know any other way to say it. When you see the word, word in your New Testament Bible, it is one of two Greek words. It's either the word logos or rhema. Logos means the written word of God, this, the Bible, okay? Now, logos is where we get the word logic. Logic is the study of correct reasoning. That's what the word logic means. It's the study of correct reasoning. So if this is the logos, the logic of the universe, that means that this is correct reasoning. So if you want to think correctly about the way that the universe is structured, you have to think in accordance to the logos of God, the logic of God. That's what that word, the word logos means. And sometimes when you see the word word, it means logos. And then sometimes it's the word rhema, the Greek word rhema. Rhema directly translated means something more like the word utterance or a whisper. And it's when God personalizes his logos directly for you. And it could be, you know, you may be reading the Bible and then like, you know, you just get this like, this impression on your heart that you just like, you know that you know that you know God whispered something to you. Now it will never contradict the Logos, okay? So if you're, you know, just believe in God for a new wife and you just thought, Pastor, I got a rhema word. God wants to give me the desires of my heart. I'm sick of that old hag and God's gonna bring me a new wife. Well, guess what? That rhema word contradicts the logos of God. So you didn't hear that from God, okay? So repent, okay? The rhema word of God is when God personalizes this for you. I could give you a million examples. I've, I've said it here before, but there was, you know, this was years ago when I was just going through some, some real struggles in business and this company that I was a part of was, was falling apart and I was just so deeply distressed. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, we had the ministry team up here and so I ran up and uh, Christian Franco prayed for me and Christian Franco was just, you know, thundering away and I'm sure it was a really nice prayer. I don't really remember any of it at all. I'm sure it was great. Man of God, he's awesome. But then I do remember, he just was praying and just said, and I just hear the, the, the word of the Lord that it's not unraveling, it's unfolding. And I mean, it, I don't know how to explain it. it. just But it was like, you know, I'm just sitting there, eyes closed, just taking it all in. And then it was like when he said that sentence, it was just like unfolding, folding, 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 folding. 
And it just like something in me, like that word just grabbed me. And I just, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that that was God himself leaning down, whispering into Christian Franco's ear and him just translating it directly. And whether he was, I, I don't even know. I don't care. It doesn't matter how it happened. I just know that for me, that was a rhema word from God. God taking this and personalizing it in a way that meant something directly to me. It was as if the God of the universe, you know, taking care of all kinds of really, really big problems, took the time to lean down and whisper into Mike Yeager's ear to comfort me, to encourage me. That's what the rhema word of God is. Now, you need to live off of the word of God. It is the fuel for the fire of belief. It is the weapon on which you're gonna win the battle of belief. Every breakthrough in your life rises and falls on your ability to believe. And you have to believe rightly. You can believe the wrong things. Take my wife example. Not you, wife, the one I said earlier. If there's somebody who's married that says, like, I just believe God wants me to, you know, go marry a 19-year-old and whatever, like, it's like, you're, you can believe that with all your heart, but it's not aligned with this. You can, there's a lot of people that believe wrongly, a lot of people, a whole lot of people. You can choose, you, you can make the decision to believe wrongly that one of my, um, a story that I think illustrates this really well, and it's a, it's a, Tragic story. There was an airplane that took off from, I believe it was Miami, Florida. It was Aero Peru Flight 603, I think, and took off from Miami, Florida, flying to, uh, I believe, Chile. So it takes off over the Gulf of Mexico, and it was a red-eye flight, so it was pitch black. So the airplane takes off, and as they're starting their ascent, the pilots start to notice you know, man, our instruments are acting super weird and this doesn't, doesn't seem right, doesn't feel right. And, but it's, they're over the ocean in the middle of the night. What that means is there's no visual landmark anywhere at all, pitch black. The only thing they have is their instruments. It's the only thing that they can trust is what their instruments are telling them. Now their instruments, mainly the altimeter, which is the device that tells you the altitude of the plane, very important, piece of information had malfunctioned. And so while they thought that they were flying thousands and thousands of feet above sea level, the reality is the plane was flying 500 miles an hour, only a few hundred feet off the surface of the ocean. And they had no idea, no clue. So they're just flying along thinking that they're thousands and thousands of feet up. They know something's up, not really sure what's going on. Hear me. The pilots believed what they knew from their altimeter. They believed it with all their heart. And there was a lot at stake. They had their own lives, the lives of the, of the passengers. And they made decisions based on that belief. They made decisions based on the, what they thought the reality was, that they were thousands of feet above sea level, sea level when the truth, when the reality, when the logos, when the logic was that they were actually only a few hundred feet off the surface of the water. So they made a decision to turn the plane around to go back to Miami. And when they turned, the wing of the, water, of the, wing of the plane dipped into the water and the whole plane um, was lost in the ocean. Your decisions, our decisions that we make when they're not aligned with the Logos 
can be very damaging when they're not aligned with the, the breathed word of God. That's why it's so important that if you're gonna be believing God for things, asking for things in prayer, you have to make sure that your beliefs align with this. Can somebody say amen? amen. Second thing, if you're gonna win the battle of belief, you're gonna have to have a weapon, you're gonna have to have a sword, but you're gonna have to have comrades. You gotta have fellow soldiers you know, if Tom Hanks would have stormed the beach of Normandy and saving Private Ryan all by himself, it would have been a really short movie. But there was lots of people. He had comrades. You have to have a tribe. You have to have friends. That's why we have things like Connect Sunday and today, Connect Wednesday. It's one of the most important things in our church. This is a, a place where we expect people to come in, make friends, establish relationships, Expect It's not a we hope you do. It's like, I'm telling you, you're not gonna make it very long here. It's like everything rises and falls on, on getting connected, getting connected to a team, getting connected in a connect group. It is everything at this church. We do life together. And that's hard sometimes. People rub you the wrong way. It's a, sometimes it's easier to just, I wouldn't say easier. That's not the right word. It's, yeah, easier, but not better. It's worse. Sometimes it can be easier to just do your own thing. You don't have to be around people. People can't see your blind spots. No one's gonna call you out. It can be a little easier, but it is way worse. You're gonna lose the battle of belief all day long. You have to have a tribe. You've gotta have comrades. So I wanna encourage you. Actually, can you guys put the connect slide up? I wanna encourage you to get your phone out Take a picture of this QR code. If you're not in a connect group, even if you're in a connect group and, you know, it's a new semester, maybe you were in one last semester and said, hey, you know what, we had a lot of fun, but, you know, we're just kind of maybe not feeling it so much, then join a new group. It's all good. That's why we do them in semester so that if, if you know, your life stage has changed, maybe you were in a young adults connect group and now you're married and have kids and want to move on. Actually, Katie and I remember when our connect group actually broke up with us. <laughs> Katie and I were connect group leaders and we, we led a young adults connect group and then Katie got pregnant. And so our connect group literally sat us down and we're like, hey, we love you. It's not you, it's, it's us. We just feel like now that you're older and entering a new life stage, we should find more young adult leaders. And they broke up with us. Can you believe that? It's okay, we made it though. We started a young families connect group and it was all good. But I wanna um, just challenge you, if you're coming to this church and you're not connected, you're not gonna make it. You cannot do life alone. Life is too hard, straight up, it's too hard. It's not good enough for just, you know, well, I got, my, I got my husband, I got my kids. Oh, I got my wife, I got my kids. Not enough. Men, you need other men in your life. You need other men that understand what you're going through. You need men that are living the life you want to live. I love what Frank Oblinsky shared. That's the story of my life. I literally prayed a prayer that I didn't even know how dangerous this prayer was. I prayed, Lord, put me around people more successful than me. Sounds nice, right? Well, I can tell you it's really freaking hard because then you're just discouraged all the time about everything they are and everything you're not. That was something that would, literally I prayed that prayer and God answered it and then I was just so frustrated at all the God stories, all the breakthrough and it just, it just illuminated all the brokenness in me that I almost just said, never mind. But then the Holy Spirit reminded me, you prayed for this. 
and I submitted myself to the process of discipleship, to allowing God to heal my heart, and it only happened because I was connected to other people. I had comrades in arms, fellow soldiers that could believe with me, get into a connect group, go to the table at the end of service, just, and just say, hey, new here, don't know anything, and there's gonna be great people over there. They'll walk you through everything. They'll find a group for you. They've got groups all over South San Diego that meet at different times, different nights, different life stages. Go see them, and they'll get you taken care of. I can't, I could, I was trying to think of all the stories that I could share of, of how friends in my life, the connections in my life have saved me. When in 2019, at the very end of 2019, um, I heard from God, that I was meant to launch out and start my own business. And so I quit my job and I was unemployed. I said, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. And then about a week later, as I'm unemployed, Pastor Jurgen calls Katie and I and says, can we have lunch? And then he says, we would like you to take over the church, this church, the Eastlake campus of Awakened Church. So now I'm unemployed and have never been a pastor ever in my life and taking over a pretty big, very awesome church. Very awesome. Then, in March of 2020, three months into the job, still unemployed, the whole world unravels before my very eyes. There's lockdowns, there's shutdowns. You guys remember, we're literally brand new. Everybody's, everybody was mad about something, didn't agree with something. It was like, no, please don't leave. I'm sorry, wait, we're new here. I don't know, we're trying to figure it out. Then I'm trying to figure out my own personal finances because we're, the, you know, everything with my company was just like every single client that I had that I launched out in faith thinking the work was gonna be there. They said, hey, with this COVID thing, we're just gonna take a year break. And I'm like, what? That's not gonna work for me. And so it was a very, very difficult 2020. It was very difficult, very difficult. We endured some, some very uh, deep family tragedy in the middle of all of that. And I remember in November of 2020, the month we call Covember, <laughs> for reasons that I will not mention because it's on a podcast. It was a hard month. And I just was like, done, I'm done. I don't need this. And I was like, this, you know, business thing, like trying to start this, it's too hard. This business is too flipping hard. And I had a, a client that had actually offered me a job. I was like, hey, why don't you just come work for me? I'll pay you great. You can work remote. And I was just like, that sounded like heaven. And then I remember I, I called my friend, Pastor Colin Hagenbottom. I said, hey, man, can we have lunch? He said, absolutely, man, let's meet. So we, we met up. And I said, here's, you know, what's going on, man. Here's what I'm thinking. I gave him my whole sob story, thinking he's going to say, wow, man, surely you're right. This, is, this has been very hard. You deserve a break. And I remember he just looked at me with his Colin eyes. If you've ever seen Pastor Colin Higginbottom, it physically burns when he looks at you. It's like, and he just was like, don't quit. Just like that, at lunch, in Panera at like 11.30 a.m. But he said it really loud, and I was like. And I'm just so thankful I have a friend that didn't let me give up. Without him, I would have given up. And right now, my business is knocking on the door of the greatest year we've ever had. Just seeing incredible growth, incredible favor. And I would have, I would have quit if I didn't have friends, if I didn't have a soldier that had my back. 
I remember Pastor Marco Contreras pulled me aside one day because he had heard me talking about my, my daughter, Everly. She was young and she had uh, broken her leg. She fell off the couch when she was, was like one and a half, I think, and, um, and, and broke her leg, got a fracture in her leg, and she was in a cast. And just seemed like she, then she had slipped and fell and hit her head on like our screen door, um, you know, sliding track and had to get a couple staples in her head. And I she was at church and she actually um, was leaning on a chair and fell over and she was crying and I picked her up and I said, oh, you know, it's just my daughter. She's accident prone. And I'm thankful that I have a friend like Pastor Marco that pulled me aside and said, hey man, don't say that about your daughter. It is as you say. If you say she's accident prone, she's gonna be accident prone. And here's the crazy thing. I was his pastor at the time. I could have been like, listen up, sheep. You're talking to the shepherd. But I didn't because I'm so thankful. I don't ever want to be the kind of person that will not take correction from his friends. If you're the kind of person that every single time somebody comes up to you and delicately says, hey, I'm just, I'm just seeing something, and you just fly off the handle at them, then guess how many more times they're going to come back to you next time they see something? Zero. And so you're flying blind. You're on your own. You will only make it through the battlefield of belief if you have people around you. And I'm just, that's why I go to men's prayer. You think I go because I'm the, the leader? I go because I need to go. I go because when I stand in a circle with Rudy Batiste, with Chris Aguilar, with some of these great men of faith, and I listen to them pray, and I listen to the way they pray for their families, and they pray for their businesses, and they pray for their finances, and they pray for this church, and they pray for Pastor Jurgen and Pastor Leanne, it fills me up. Because you need to be around fellow soldiers. Only way you're gonna make it is with a weapon and with fellow soldiers. And lastly, and I love it, just have the keys jump up with me. You're not gonna win the battle of belief without courage. And you know, when we think of courage, I think especially kind of um, just in the wake of uh, 2020 and, and just the past few years, I think we think of courage as, you know, sort of outward and like standing up for what you believe in and getting on Instagram and saying, oh, no, you didn't. And, you know, good for you if you're, if you're outspoken about your, the truth and all. That's amazing. And you should be doing that. But I think a lot of times we don't realize that it takes courage to believe. It takes a lot of courage to pray a prayer and then actually believe it. It takes courage to pray, God, I pray that you would heal my marriage. Make me the kind of man that can, can lead my wife well. I haven't done it well. I haven't done it right. God, I pray that you would restore my marriage. And for you to actually believe that God's gonna do that means that you're believing and inviting God to infiltrate your heart and begin to weed out the things inside of you that keep you from being the man that your wife needs. You're inviting in God to begin to, to do his work, to be the perfect surgeon. It can be scary to believe God for big things, especially if you've been disappointed before, if you've been discouraged, if you feel like there's things that you believed him for with all of your heart and they didn't come true. I remember in, in, at the end of 2020, actually right before I met with Colin, I remember just like, God, wh like, why, why did you do this to me? Like, why, you know, why would you call me out into, into business? Like, I could have just stayed at my job. You knew I was gonna take over this church. You knew that it was gonna be a crazy year. Like, why didn't you just, just, why would you call me out just to, to, to have me fall on my face and just 
you know, tuck tail and quit this thing. And then I realized after the year was over that the church at that time required a lot of Katie and I. 2020 was a crazy year. Every single week, Pastor Stacy would remember. I mean, it was like every other day was like, all right, emergency board meeting, got to figure something else out all the time. And if my company would have exploded right at the beginning of 2020, I would have been traveling all over the country. I would, have, I would not have been able to give the house of God what it needed from me in 2020. And so in the moment, I was like, God, why are you, why would, why are you doing this? Why did you call me out? Just to, just to put, pump the brakes and have it not work. And I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that everything that the enemy has stolen, I will restore to you. And it was actually that that prompted the bridge of the song, King of Glory, if you know that song. It says, what the enemy stole will come back to me. Every seed I've sown is a harvest for me. And that song was written by, um, by the team and came out of that place in 2020, knowing that the devil had stolen from people, had stolen from me. But I believed that God would restore it. And lastly, um, just as we close, a lot of you know that Katie and I built a, a house in East Lake um, a few years ago, and we, we loved this house. It was amazing. It was our first home. Um, loved it to death. That's where, um, you know, Zeke and Everly are, are, were brand new kids, and that's like kind of where they did their toddler years and learned to walk and ate food for the first time and like in that house. We loved that house. And then it was so crazy because we had no reason to move whatsoever. But I remember Katie came to me one day and was like, I don't know why, but I just like, I feel like we're, supposed to sell this place and um, it was weird because I was kind of like I think you're right which is very strange for me because that's just a lot to deal with and I would just rather generally just kick the can down the road I'm always got a million things going on and selling a house and moving is a tall order but I just I knew in my spirit that that was the right thing and it was so interesting because we were talking about it um, as we put the house on the market and, and ended up selling it and we are like why did we do that and then we, we realized that there was actually something in us that m began to, um, to miss believing for something. Because getting that house was a battle of belief. Like we wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and it was super, super hard. And then we got into the house and we realized that life just kind of got pretty comfortable for a bit. And we stopped having an object of belief, something to believe for. And Katie and I realized that it's so um, important to us. It's how we want to live our life. We want to live our life on the battlefield of belief. And so we sold the house. Now, didn't have any plan. Did, did well on the house. Like, it actually sold the house to Rudy's nephew, right? And I felt bad because it's like, you know, it's Rudy's family, but I'm just like, I want this guy to overpay for this house so much. I want to take him for everything he's got. And, you know, we, we did really well in the house, and I was like, yes, then literally like four weeks later, the house was worth like $200,000 more. And so Kaul got the best of us, but whatever. But I remember, you know, the close date was approaching and we're still living in the house and we didn't have another place to go because we didn't, we didn't have a plan. It wasn't like we had some, you know, economic, strategic, you know, we're gonna do this and jump in here and flip this house. It was literally just like, we just heard from God. We wanted to wait on God to give us an object to believe in again.
And so we, we sold this house and our close date's approaching, like, where are we gonna go? And I was looking for like, you know, just cheaper rentals somewhere in, in East Lake Chula Vista, just a place we could kind of hunker down, save some money. And, and just, we couldn't find anything that made sense, anything that we wanted, anything we liked, anything that was gonna, you know, allow us to have people over into our home. And just like, like literally close date is now like four days away and we're basically gonna be homeless. And I remember Katie was like, what if, you know, I mean, let's just go to Coronado for a year. Like, we'll just get a house near the beach and just have some fun for a year and then we'll just kind of see what happens. And I'm like, no, that's a terrible idea. I said I wanted to save money. And so then, of course, in true Katie fashion, she waits till we're with Pastor Jurgen and goes, Pastor Jurgen, Pastor Jurgen, do you think Mike should move us to Coronado? Wouldn't it be so fun for us to live next to the beach? Huh? And of course, Pastor Jurgen's like, oh, come on, Mike, come on. Happy wife, happy life. Anyway, so we did. We moved to Coronado. Having no idea, no idea what it meant, the, almost the minute we got there, life sucked. It did. Katie had a, like the day we moved into our house, Katie started miscarrying our third child. The, like the day. Then, um, I think like maybe two months later, Katie and I are in the, the, um, the kitchen. Our two kids, Zeke and Everly, are in the front room watching TV, eating breakfast, and we just hear like this thud. We go around the corner and my daughter Everly is having a seizure. So we pick her up, you know, try to get her stabilized. Ambulance comes, takes her to the hospital. It was crazy. And then I, like, I can't even begin to explain to you how crazy, you think Coronado is this just you know, beautiful little island paradise. It's nuts. Katie and I prayed this prayer. I don't know what we were thinking. I, taught, I learned a very valuable lesson, valuable lesson to be more specific because I prayed, Lord, I pray that Awakened Church would be a household name on Coronado Island. Well, in uh, the previous election cycle in 2022, there were several candidates that our church was behind because they're Bible-believing, truth-telling candidates that are gonna fight for righteous things. And um, a somebody in Coronado actually paid to have a flyer be mailed out to literally every single home on the entire island that said, Awaken Church is a fundamentalist cult, you know, hate-breathing, hate speech, loving, blah, 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 blah. We've got to do whatever we can. Don't vote for any of the candidates that they're endorsing, blah, blah, blah. So we're now our household name. Wasn't quite what I meant. So now I'm going to pray a little different. But anyway, so we dealt with that even just today. This petition has gone out in Coronado. A, like an actual citywide petition trying to forbid us from starting a church there. But you know what? I'm good for the battle of belief. Come on. When God gives you a word, gives you a promise, you don't just back down at every little piece of discouragement that comes your way. What are you believing for? I'm believing that we're gonna see South San Diego conquered for the kingdom of heaven. That we're gonna see righteousness in our schools again 
that we're going to see godly men and women put into office, that we're going to see churches on every street corner. I've got a vision that every Sunday morning on Coronado Island in Eastlake and Chula Vista, you're going to see people walking to church. You're going to see people piling into their cars, that the biggest traffic jams in our city are going to be on Sundays because people are going to the house of God because I believe it. I believe it. I'm not going to back down when I get a little bit discouraged. I'm not going to back down when, when the devil tries to throw something at me. What about you? What are you believing God for? What rhema word has he spoken to you? Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's fruitfulness in your business. Maybe it's a child. Maybe you've never been able to conceive, but you know that you know that God has, has spoken to you. And maybe you've, you've prayed and prayed and prayed and you've asked and asked and asked, but can you believe? I remember just, a couple weeks ago, just seeing this couple that Katie and I had prayed for um, a couple years ago. And uh, they had been trying in vitro. They had tried, I think, in vitro two or three times. were not able to conceive at all. And we prayed for them. And they prayed, asked, and believed. And then just a few weeks ago, they came down from L.A. just to come to this church and let us know that they conceived. Naturally... Not via in vitro, even though the doctor said there's no way they ever would. That's what happens when you believe. Why don't we hop to our feet really, really quick. And I want to just take a second as we close the service. If you're in here, and actually just bow your heads and close your eyes if you don't mind. I'm going to have the worship team join me up here on stage. If, and I just really, I believe that the Holy Spirit is whispering to hearts right now. Like you, I'm believing, and, and I was even praying on the way up here, that as I was sharing this, that, that the Holy Spirit would begin to illuminate in you what that thing is. And I don't know what it is. Again, maybe it's a, a restored marriage. Maybe you've got a, a child that's, that's wayward and away from the house of God. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe your, your finances are, are not where you'd like them to be. Maybe you're just stuck in dysfunction and you just see patterns in yourself that, that were in your, your dad and your dad's dad and your dad's dad's dad and you feel bound to them, you feel chained to them. Maybe it's an addiction that you're just believing God, asking God to break once and for all. I don't know what it is. But I wanna just create a moment as we close the service for you to believe, to just ask and believe that you'll see it. And there's a, probably my favorite prayer in the entire Bible is in um, Mark chapter nine, I think it is. And there's a, um, a father who brings his demon-possessed son to the, to the apostles. And Jesus is up on the mountain with, with Peter, James, and John, and um, not there at the time. And the disciples are like doing everything they can. You know, they're like out in the name of Jesus. I don't know, chambrade, regadeche, you know, just trying all the tricks, everything they can. And just this boy is not getting set free. And then Jesus comes down and the, the father, desperate, brings his son to Jesus and says, can you help him? Your disciples couldn't, can you? Jesus says, I'm, I'm kind of the king of the universe. I can pretty much do whatever I want. The question is, do you believe? And then this man prayed what I think is the, the, the greatest prayer in the entire Bible, prayed by somebody that was not Jesus. And he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. How amazing is that? Help my unbelief. And I love it because it's like, sometimes to believe is an act of the will. It's not, you know, so maybe you don't feel like believing. Maybe it's like, 
you know, I, I don't know if I can believe. I've seen so much discouragement. I've, I've put myself out there and just, sometimes you have to will yourself to believe. And that's what this father did. He said, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Help me in those moments where I begin to waver and I begin to doubt. So if you're believing God for something and you know exactly what that thing is, I wanna just ask you really quickly. We're gonna, we're gonna make this quick. We're not gonna go very long, but I wanna ask you, if you know that you know exactly what that object of belief is, it's something you've asked God for, that you feel like you, you, he's confirmed it with a rhema word, you know, and you're struggling with belief, I want you to just come forward right now. Just make your way to the altar, and we're just gonna say a quick prayer. The worship team's just gonna sing a quick song, just a quick chorus, and we're gonna get out of here. But I wanna just take a second and create a moment for you to actually believe. Come on. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now. We thank you right now that you are here. God, we know that your word says that without faith, it is impossible to please you. And God, right now, I just, I come against uh, the spirit of shame that would seek to, to disqualify people and silence people. And I think even prophetically, Frank Oblinsky brought up Rahab. And Rahab is listed in the book of Hebrews in the hall of fame of faith. In, in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, Abraham, blah, blah, blah. By faith, Moses. By faith, Jacob. By faith, goes through all of the giants of the faith. And it says, by faith, Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute, a lady of the night. Not righteous, not perfect, not a someone you would you would you know want to model your life after, but she's listed in the hall of fame of faith in the Bible forever because of her belief. Not because of her performance, but because of her belief. So right now I just want to cancel any shame that would say that the things you're asking God for, you're not allowed to have, you don't deserve to have because of some whatever, your past, your, your parents' past, your pedigree, where you came from, what side of the tracks you grew up on. We just break the back of that lie right now. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. It says that you have been adopted into his family. You have been elevated to the highest position in the universe, and that is a son and a daughter of the Most High God. So right now, God, we reach into an open heaven. We reach into an open heaven, and we declare as one people that we believe. We're gonna be the kind of people that believe in Jesus' name. We believe, God, as we bring our requests before you, God, we, we know you're not just up there busy working on other things, that your word says you incline your ear down to heaven and you hear us, and we declare that we're gonna be people of faith, and we declare right now, marriages being restored in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare sickness is falling off of people's body. Pain right now is leaving people's bodies in Jesus' name. I see shoulder pain right now. Somebody who has shoulder pain, I just see that shoulder being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Ligaments being sewn back together. Inflammation going down right now in the name of Jesus. I declare children that are away from the house of God that you've been believing for, parents. You've been weeping over. You've been pleading God over. You're gonna see them come back 
to the house of God. You're going to see them up on this altar, hands lifted, praising God. God, we declare right now financial breakthrough. We declare your breath behind businesses. We declare Jericho strategy, fresh ideas, fresh contracts, God. Customers, great customers, high profitability. God, we declare that we will be generous people because you bless us and breathe on our financial exports. God, your word says that the righteous will do great exploits. And God, we declare that we're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We're a people who are going to believe in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's sing this. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.